0: You. Welcome to another episode of the Everything Cracks podcast. Um, This is your solo host for the week, Miss Gina Glazomitsky. Thank you all for joining me. I am solo because our fearless leader, Kate, has welcomed her little sweet. Baby Angel Owen into the world. He's so frigging cute. He is so sweet. Mom and baby are doing well. I'm so happy for you, Kate. I know you're listening to this along with the rest of your extended family. Congratulations. You're the most amazing mom that I know. And Owen is is so lucky to be joining such a incredible, incredible family. Siblings are adjusting well. Her older son, Aiden, has claimed baby Owen as his own. Um, Ava's just kind of floating around in the mix like, fuck these dudes. I'm trying to do my own thing. I want to be a good sister. I'm trying to get on board. But y'all are making it hard. Hard. So I'm going to go do my own thing. And she's the only girl in the family. So she gets to enjoy princess status and really do whatever the hell she wants, as she should. But we are so happy for you. I love you so much. I can't wait for you to be back. This is so nerve-wracking. I'm literally going to sit here and talk to a wall. This will probably be a short episode. Um, I do have some things to discuss. Maybe you can hear from the sound of my voice, but uh, sickness has plagued my household pretty much uh, since the day I stepped off the airplane from Europa. And, um, yeah, it's been great. We had a stomach bug for a few days and then immediately caught this cold cough um, RSV adjacent situation that we're dealing with now. It's lovely. I don't know. It's just, I, I, I don't know what's in the air or in the water this year, but I feel like back to school sickness has just been a thousand times worse than it usually is. So bear with me. I apologize to my voice if I sound like a nasally mess, but here we are. No days off. Get a the The show must go on. We got to keep the lights on around here, so I'm recording solo this week. Kate, we'll be back next week. I'm pretty sure barring any unforeseen circumstances, but uh, for this week, I think we're just gonna talk about we're gonna talk about a few things. This podcast is brought to you in the midst of an emotional breakdown of my own. Today is actually my daughter's first birthday, my youngest daughter's first birthday. Just saying that out loud. I, I, I'm a little misty. I feel the tears welling up behind my eyes. I cannot believe that my last baby turns one today. It really—it's it, the most indescribable feeling, and I—I'm I'm sure I'm just overthinking this. I'm sure other parents don't go quite as far down this rabbit hole as maybe I am. But I'm just thinking five years ago, I had no kids. I was married. I knew I was on the precipice of starting a family and entering this phase of life. And I don't know why, but I'm thinking back and I'm like, I remember thinking that this phase of life, this like having babies phase was going to like last forever. I don't know why. I just, I didn't connect the dots that this was A very 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 short period you're only having kids for so long after that you're done there comes a point at which you're done having children and you're moving on you're raising them they're getting older you know they're they're entering their own villain eras but it's wild it's wild to think that this is my last child's first birthday and I'll never have another little baby oh my god I'm gonna start crying I'll never have another little baby. That time is over. I'll never be pregnant again. And that's that's fine. I, I am not one of those people who was like, oh, my God. I am this spiritual earth goddess creating life and bringing it into this world in the most divine, amazing way. No, I despise being pregnant, especially... With the second and third pregnancies. It's just, it's not for me, y'all. Kate will say the opposite. I'm going to speak for her. She loves being pregnant. She thinks it's wonderful. Good for you, sis. I, I don't, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's an amazing thing. Just from an objective standpoint. Your body is creating a human like, how does that happen? Where does the, does it, where does the shit come from? I, maybe Kay can speak to this next week, but like, I, where does the shit come from? So, right, you have the egg, you have the sperm, we all took biology 101, we know where babies come from, obviously. But where does all that material, like, how do you go from microscopic cells to eight-pound human where does it come from? That That's wild to me. These like building blocks that come together in the most perfect way to create life. It's bananas. I don't know. I don't know. That shit's mind blowing to me. I don't know how. I it Something about that just seems very abstract and obscure and like aliens have something to do with it. I don't know. It's very weird to me. But I hated being pregnant. And of all the things I'm sad about today, never having to carry another child and push it out of my vagina is not one of them. Along with this day marking my daughter's first birthday, it's also one year since I delivered her, obviously. Her delivery was... Um it was traumatic. We'll we'll just we'll just put it that way. I'm not one who likes to use the word trauma. I think trauma is what you make it. I think your perspective in life is everything and things that are bad that happen to you only have as much power as you give them. It's not to say that you shouldn't deal with things or that you should just bury your head in the sand or, you know, push that pain down deep inside. Let it fester for 50 years and then hopefully cut it out with the cancer when that day comes. Do you know what I mean? I don't think that that's the right route. But the experience I had with my third daughter was was really, really difficult. And I think a lot of women tie traumatic feelings to their births in some way or another I think to varying degrees, obviously, but it's the weirdest feeling in the world to have this momentous, wonderful, magical occasion of welcoming a new baby into your life. And then also having these almost background feelings of sadness and, and heaviness and For some women, I think that there's an element of shame and just these negative feelings attached to it. With my third daughter, with Mia, I had a problem with my placenta the entire pregnancy. I had a previa, which means that the placenta attached very low in my uterus and part of it was covering the opening to my cervix. Generally, this resolves. It's a very rare thing to have a previa persist until full term. Generally, it clears up by 20 weeks, 28 weeks. The placenta kind of attaches in a place. Your uterus is obviously expanding to accommodate a growing baby, and the placenta moves up and out of the way. And generally, it's not an issue for birth. Mine did not do that. My placenta was in a weird spot. It was anterior, it was also lateral. And it was covering my cervix just enough to be a problem until about 38 and a half weeks where it cleared just enough for my physicians to feel comfortable with me attempting a vaginal birth. The only alternative, obviously, would have been a cesarean section, which I had had two deliveries prior to this, natural, unmedicated Deliveries I really 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 Did not want to go down the cesarean Route mostly because I had Two toddlers at home and uh, Recovering from a major surgery just It's not the vibe in my house you know It's not exactly a, a Rehab where you're able to just kind of rest And take it easy And stay off your feet like I have two Psychopaths at home who are Waiting for me to To resume normal duties So I really didn't want a C-section for that reason and really that reason alone. But what ended up happening was actually much worse. My daughter was two weeks late. The day came. I had a doctor's appointment. I begged them for an induction. And again, opposite to Miss Caitlin, I... Never want to be induced. I wanna make it to my due date. I want things to happen naturally. I don't want to force anything. That's just my personal preference. But by forty-two weeks or forty-one weeks and six days, I was begging. I was in so much pain. It was so uncomfortable. So I go to my my doctor's appointment and they beg them for an induction. They send me to the hospital. They begin the induction and Six hours later, my daughter was born. The birth went great. She came out. She was totally fine. At that point, the placenta was not a problem for birth. It became a problem when it came time for the placenta to detach and be delivered. The placenta attaches to your uterus in such a way that allows a lot of blood flow right? That's what feeds the baby. That's what brings all of those nutrients and that nutrition and helps the baby grow. Oxygen, waste, it's all kind of regulated by the placenta. It's an organ. Your body grows another organ and it attaches to the wall of your uterus to obviously tap into your blood flow. When the placenta detaches after the baby is born, it leaves a dinner size plate dinner plate size wound in your uterus that's just blood it's very very vascular because they need all that blood flow to to grow lot of blood flow the reason that women don't normally bleed out after birth is because that placenta usually attaches to the top of your uterus and then after birth that part of your uterus your uterus is a muscle it's very very strong and it contracts 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 to cut off that blood flow and you don't hemorrhage because of the location of my placenta it was very low that part of my uterus did not contract really at all so I began to bleed and bleed and bleed and bleed. I ended up hemorrhaging about 4,000 cc's of blood. Which, for context, is about 80% of your total blood volume. For a woman my size, I've got about 5,000 cc's of blood in my entire body. So I almost bled out. So after they realized that a hemorrhage was... Happening there was a problem They wheeled me to the OR Last thing I remember seeing was My husband holding my newborn daughter And the feeling of blood Just gushing out of me They wheeled me down the hall Into the operating room And at that point, I knew I was dying. I I knew it. I could feel it. I could feel the life leaving my body. It is the most indescribable feeling. It is something that has forever changed me. And I I remember laying on the operating room table saying to my surgeon, please don't let me die. I have two kids at home. And then I said a prayer to the universe, please please don't let this be it. And then they knocked me out. <laughs> That's truly the last thing I remember saying to myself as, "Please universe, whatever is out there." Just please don't let this be it for me. I woke up the next morning in the ICU (laughs) trying to fight, physically fight the person who was extubating me. They had intubated me. They had knocked me out. I had two surgeries. I had a DNC and I had, after the DNC didn't work, they had placed a Bakri ball in my uterus, which is basically this Inflatable PVC ball that they fill with saline and think of it as the equivalent of holding pressure on a wound They had to do that twice. I guess the first time it didn't work. It like fell out or whatever. I don't know So they had to place that and then that didn't fully stop the bleeding. So they had to Embolize an artery in my groin basically they had to wheel me into interventional radiology they had to kind of fish a line down through my uh the artery that's in your groin. The it's the U, I forget what it is, for what it's called, whatever. Um. And they had to basically block that artery that was supplying blood to that side of my uterus. Again, they woke up the next morning in the ICU trying to fight some people. They took the tube out. And I stayed there for the next two days. I didn't get to see my daughter. I didn't want her down in the ICU with me. They brought her down once. Um, But there's actual sick people in the ICU. I didn't want a newborn child there. That just wasn't the move. So they had given me, I think at that point, seven units of blood, seven transfusions of blood and plasma. I was on all kinds of vasopressors. I was on all kinds of blood pressure stabilizing medications. It was a shit show for a while. After about 48 hours, they let me back up to maternity. It was It was a shocking experience. A shocking experience. You know, we had people from all over the hospital come in to talk to us about, you know, what the long-term effects may be mentally, physically, emotionally. We had a few people come in and ask us what our future family plans were and recommend to us that, hey, you should not have any more children. Luckily, this is our third baby. But it was... It was... Um, maybe maybe the most defining event of my life. And I think that maybe not a lot of women have had this exact situation happen to them, although I think it's more common than you realize. But I think a lot of women have... Negative feelings attached to one or all of their births. And I think it's something that we... We should talk about more. You know, I'm not one for like, oh, we gotta normalize this, we gotta normalize that. Normally the things that follow the statement, can we please normalize are either number one, the most normal shit ever. Hey, can we normalize like washing our hair? Can we normalize wearing deodorant? Yeah, sure, if you want to. Or it's the opposite. It's like, hey, can we normalize shitting in the shower to save on water? No. No. It's one way or the other. I don't know why. But I think trauma associated with birth is something that we should... I don't want to say normalize because trauma shouldn't be normal. (laughs) Trauma is something that you need to deal with. Trauma is something that's negative and, and, and needs to be dealt with in maybe a professional way. But there should be space to talk about it. There should be... Better resources available to women who deal with these things Because I got to say I I had to go to a few sessions of therapy after just to make sure that I wasn't going to have a nervous breakdown in six months And I didn't have a nervous breakdown. I'm a pretty realistic person. I feel very Okay with what happened to me. It was always going to happen it just due to the anatomy of my pregnancy, this was always going to happen. And honestly, had I had the C-section just ceded to what my doctor said and not advocated so hard, so fiercely for myself to not have the C-section, it actually probably would have been worse because not only would I have hemorrhaged from the placenta, I would have hemorrhaged from the surgery as well. Or would have lost blood from the surgery as well. I feel okay with what happened to me. It's something I'll always have to deal with. It's something that's changed me forever. A near death experience is is just it just changes you. I don't know how to say it, but one thing I can tell you is that death is peaceful. I, people are afraid of death, and it's weird. I don't know, it's weird to me now. People are afraid of death. I'm like, death is the most calm peaceful. I didn't feel panicked at all. I, that I remember distinctly. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't know why I'm not panicking. Death feels peaceful. Death only sucks for the people that you leave behind. Doesn't suck for the person dying. It's very peaceful. Not afraid of death anymore. It's weird. It's a very weird feeling to not be afraid to die. Like you know what it is. It's very strange. I was afraid to leave my kids and my family. That I was very afraid of. But I wasn't afraid for myself. Birth trauma man, it'll fucking get you. It'll fucking get you. So, yeah. Good times. Good times. Um I So I think that Regardless of what your birth experience was whether it was traumatic or it was joyful or it was somewhere in between It doesn't have to be one or the other You can have negative, you know, things aren't always going to be perfect People want to have natural births. They want to do unmedicated deliveries And they end up having some kind of a medical intervention. That's a negative feeling for sure And that sucks. It sucks that it didn't go the way that you wanted But I think that there needs to be some kind of support in place for women after they give birth, regardless, and setting yourself up for success once you get home from the hospital. We talk a lot about pregnancy and what to bring to the hospital and how to prepare for a baby, but your pregnancy and all of that is really fucking nothing compared to what happens after that kid is here. The first couple of weeks, I would say the first six weeks of a baby's life is very intense. They're extremely needy. There's a lot going on. It's a very, very, very steep learning curve. And setting yourself up for success after leaving the hospital is something that I don't know that women take seriously enough. I think a lot of the focus is on having a healthy pregnancy and having a healthy delivery. And that's wonderful Those things are definitely priorities, but I think there needs to be a shift in mindset of, okay, well, what happens after I bring this baby home? It's not, oh, me and my baby, we're just so in sync and we, you know, breastfeeding is so easy and it's just this natural life process and we... You know, we just kind of fell into it. We fell into this routine. No, that's not what happens. When you get home from the hospital, first thing you should do, in my opinion, is banish people for a week. Have your parents come over. Have, like, your immediate circle come over. Stay for an hour and then fucking beat it. I don't want... Any And I, I'm sure a lot of people feel don't share this sentiment, but I don't want people in my space for two weeks. I'm trying to recover. I'm exhausted. My nipples are bleeding. They're leaking. My vagina is just in shambles. Get the fuck out of my house. Drop your food off. Leave. Say, hi, how are you? Great to see you. My house is a disaster. My kids are a shit show. I don't want anybody around. I want my family, I want my husband, and that's it. I say banish people. After two weeks, appoint someone, your spouse, your best friend, whoever, whoever the number one person of your support team is, who who is your lieutenant, have them start assigning other people in your life jobs. Hey, Gina really likes Coconut shrimp. Why don't you whip up a batch, Cheryl? Bring it on over tonight for dinner. No, no, no. You can't stay. Just drop it at the door and leave. There needs to be someone there to administrate. I think this needs to be discussed prior to delivery. Hey, look, I'm going to need you to run point for me for, like, a couple of weeks. Could you just keep the people in line? Help, like, coordinate efforts to take kids to school drop off dry cleaning, do dishes, cook meals, whatever it is. Someone needs to run point that is not you. You need to remove yourself from the day-to-day of your life for a couple of weeks. Truly. If you have the support structure in place to do that, I highly recommend discussing that prior to delivery. Someone needs to take on this shit for a little bit just so you can... Like Literally just to get you to the point where you're not gushing blood out of your vagina. And that you're not completely delirious with sleep deprivation. If you're into it, maybe have your mom come stay with you or your mother-in-law or whoever. That's not my personal journey. But if it's possible, have someone come stay and just really take on the day-to-day for you. It just gives you a little bit of breathing room. It just gives you a little bit of wiggle room to just kind of get your feet back underneath you. Not that, it, you know, the first couple of weeks you'll have your all the things totally sorted out, but it gives you a little bit of a buffer time. And that buffer is critically, critically important. It just helps to bridge the gap. Helps to ease the transition. Because after four, six weeks, things start to get a little bit easier. You see, you start to know your baby. This cry means that. That cry means this. This is what they like to do at this time. This is a time that's particularly difficult for them. You start to pick up on things. And having that lifeline during that time is is super, super helpful. But if you're not in a position where you can have someone come stay with you or someone is going to be able to fully run point for you and someone is going to be able to administrate your life for you for at least a little bit, I totally get it. That's a big ask for some people. Generally, and... and, my husband takes this role and he's really, really good at it. And I think that most husbands or most partners after the birth of a child kind of feel useless. And I think particularly for men who need purpose in their life, I would highly recommend giving them a job so they feel... Useful. They feel like they have a purpose, like they're not just a bystander here. It also helps them bond to the situation, not even just to the baby, but just bond to the situation that we're now a family. We now have this other being in our life that needs to be accounted for, that has its own needs that I need to participate in. I would discuss with your partner before birth this is what I'm going to need from you after. And I highly recommend you delegate the task of older kids, drop-offs, mornings, getting them ready in the morning to go to school, organizing friends and family with you know whatever coverage you'll need for food or laundry or childcare for your older ones or this or that, whatever your day-to-day is. Find some way to piece it together and have your partner orchestrate that. Maybe it's even a good idea to uh, teach them how to cook a little bit. If they don't do the cooking in your house, maybe this is the perfect time to share a recipe of the week with your spouse. So this week we're going to do one pan Greek chicken. This is so great when you have a new baby. It is the easiest thing in the world it's basically chop and bake and that's it so you're gonna need one red pepper cut into like two inch pieces if you like them a little bit bigger do that that's totally fine uh one yellow cut one yellow pepper cut the same way a red onion two cups of cherry tomatoes I get the ones that are still like on the stem I'm a sucker for aesthetics I think it looks prettier two cups of cherry tomatoes a half a cup of artichoke hearts one whole lemon, two large chicken breasts cut in half. I I you can you can kind of just leave them whole if you want. You can also add more chicken breasts if you're cooking for a bigger family. You don't have to like when I say cut them in half, I mean cut them like a cutlet so they're a little bit thinner so everything kind of cooks the at the at the same speed. You can do that or you can leave them whole. It's really up to you two chopped cloves of garlic, some olive oil, some balsamic vinegar. I use smoked paprika. You don't have to use that. It gives it a smoky flavor, almost like, almost like bacon. Use it very sparingly if you're going to use it, but you could skip it if it's not, if it's not for you. Some dried oregano, salt, pepper. I use fresh basil, some Kalamata olives, about a cup, two thirds of a cup to a cup and about a quarter cup to a half a cup of feta, not crumbled feta. get the block of feta, chop it yourself. I said what I said. So that's what you're gonna do. you're gonna preheat your oven to a 400 degrees. You're gonna get yourself a cookie sheet. Line it with foil, spray it down with some oil and on the cookie sheet you're going to arrange all of your vegetables and your chicken. So just spread out the try and get it as much in a, a single layer as possible. The peppers, the tomatoes, the artichokes, the olives, all of it. Spread it out. Get it nice and even. You're then going to season that. Spread some olive oil. Season it with salt, pepper, oregano. Again, some smoked pepper, Smoked paprika, if you're into it, you're going to mix it all around. Coat everything with the oil so it cooks evenly. And then on top of that, you're going to put your chicken breast um, sliced thin or just not sliced at all, up to you. And then you're going to add oil to that, salt, pepper, sprinkle with oregano, um, smoked paprika, your seasonings of choice. Put that in the oven for about 20 minutes. You're going to then take it out after 20 minutes. You're going to add your crumbled feta all over it just kind of toss it in there like it's you know just some seasoning just sprinkle the feta over the entire mixture take your lemon cut it in half give it a good squeeze over the whole thing and then you're going to put it back into the oven for let's say another 15 to 20 minutes until your chicken thighs are cooked through Then take it out. I would give it another big squeeze of lemon. I really like lemon, especially in any kind of Greek or Mediterranean food. Top with fresh basil. Serve with pasta. Serve with rice. I love to serve this with lemony garlic potatoes. It is so simple. It's so delicious. It's so satisfying. It's such a good postpartum meal. It takes almost no time to prep. It's delicious. It feeds a whole family. Don't sleep on this. Please make it. Guys, I'm going to cut the episode here. Thank you for listening to my emotional ramblings. It's a hard day for me, but... Kate, we are so happy for you. I am constantly in awe of you as a mom and you as a woman and all of the things that you do and all of the burdens that you carry you make it look so easy and effortless and you're just you're so fun and it doesn't none of it crushes your spirit not that it should but it's so easy to get bogged down in the weight of parenthood and a career and life in general the state of the world and none of it bothers you you take it all in such stride you're so strong you're the best mom that I know We love you. We're so happy for you. Baby Owen is the luckiest little kid alive. We love you guys. We'll see you.